stand up on our feet this morning. How many of y'all know Jesus is coming soon? We are starting a new series today, this weekend, called Midnight. It's a series about end times. It's a series about Jesus returning. And those of you who are new to church, new to Christianity, you've heard of things like doomsday or the end of the world. And I'm here to tell you, God already knows about it. He's got a plan and it's bigger than you can imagine. It's greater and it's an exciting thing when you're a believer to live in the times that we live in. It's not a dreadful thing, it's not a depressing thing, it is a joyful expectancy to know that Jesus is coming soon. Like a bride waiting for her groom. What an exciting thing. Wow. You know, I was thinking, Wes, we were singing that song, I was remembering me and Ashley's wedding day. And, <laughs> And, you know, we sing about like a bride waiting for her groom. I was thinking about the groom waiting for the bride. Because I was so excited standing in this room watching as she was walking down that aisle with her father and just the anticipation, the excitement. And, you know, Jesus talks about the church being a bride, that he is the groom and the church is his bride. He's excited to, to gather the church together one day that we will be in heaven with our Savior and this is an hour right now to get right with God. If you're not right with God, you're in the right place. This is a good place to start. We're going to pull out our Bibles, or if you've got a Bible on your phone, uh, we're going to turn to Matthew 25. Yes! And if you don't have a Bible, no worries. After service, if you want to receive Jesus in your heart, we will bless you with the Bible today. Down here at this altar, we have Bibles that we will give to people who would like that. You can learn the Word of God and study along with us. But we're going to put it on the screen. Matthew 25, verse 6 says, And at midnight, everyone say, Midnight! midnight. A cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Get ready, get ready, get ready. It's time to go out and meet him. And church, Jesus told a parable about 10 virgins, five who were foolish, five who were wise, who were going out to meet the bridegroom. It was a story in that season and that time that made sense to the people during that day. But today, it would be likened to 10 people, random people, who actually knew God. He wasn't talking about unbelievers. He wasn't talking about atheists. He was talking about 10 people who would know God, but five would be ready for his return, and five would be sleeping and completely ignorant that he was coming back. It was a parable to wake the church up to say, be ready, just be ready. And the title of the message today is just be ready. Just be ready. Turn to the person next to say, just be ready. Just be ready. Well, we are gonna say a declaration, a confession of faith as we get ready to receive God's word. And we're gonna put it on the screen. If you're new to Victory, feel free to say it along with us or you can watch us say it. It's really fun. Here we go. One, two, three. I'm here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Lord, we thank you for victory. We thank you for joy. Lord, speak to us this morning. Revive us, refresh us, renew us. 
God, let us be attentive to your word. And Lord, I thank you that you're going to do something amazing in this service. Lord, we don't come on accident. We are here on purpose for a purpose. And God, I pray that we would leave different than the way we came in. For your glory, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Well, as you're being seated, give someone a high five. Say, get ready. Check this video out about midnight. It's according to a group of prominent atomic scientists. They look at worldwide perils, specifically nuclear threats and climate change. Basically, the closer to midnight, the closer the world is to destruction. to midnight. Oh. All right, I got a question for you, church. How many of you know the exact hour that Jesus will return? <laughs> well, the truth is the word of God says no one knows the day or the hour when Jesus will return. But what he does tell us is to know the signs of the times, to know and perceive that this is a season anticipating that he will return. And I know for some of us in the room who are new to church and you're kind of watching this and you're seeing these things, you're realizing that the news has been uh, obviously showing things that we, we feel and sense that Jesus could come back soon. Uh, we're seeing things like Russia invading Syria. We're seeing things like uh, sickness and disease and tension in the Middle East. And uh, there is persecution in the, in, uh, of the church and of Christians. And there's just a rise of sin and chaos. We sense and anticipate. We can see the, the, the skies are God's billboard to the earth. The blood moons. We can sense there's something happening right now in the world. How many of y'all kind of sense it? Just watching the news, seeing what's happening in the world. There is this, and what we got to be careful about is that we don't move from expectancy into paranoia and fear. And during this series, today I'm going to lay a foundation for this series. When Perry Stone comes in two weeks, it's going to be really good. Don't miss that weekend. He's going to cover some current events and the prophetic uh, connections of God's word to the current events that we're in right now. But this week and next week, I'm going to really talk about a word you might have heard of called the rapture. I'm going to talk about uh, the seven-year tribulation, what uh, is going to happen during that time to the church. I'm going to share about the second coming of Christ. And so all of these things take time to talk about. There is so much information on this. And the important thing is that we don't get fearful, that we don't get paranoid, but rather we stay in faith and expectancy. 
as a kid, I grew up in, in a pastor's home. My parents uh, founded this church. Mom and dad are amazing. They, uh, I just want to honor my mom and my dad, who's now passed away in heaven. But, you know, I think about um, growing up, they would teach on the end times, and, and uh, they would bring home movies from our bookstore here at the church, like Left Behind and Apocalypse and Revelation and Mark of the Beast and intense movies. And me and John would be freaked out watching these movies. I don't know if you ever got freaked out. Uh, maybe you didn't, but we did. And we were constantly like paranoid that we were going to be left behind. And this is my testimony. I'm not being funny. I'm not mocking anything. I am telling you my, my testimony of overcoming fear and paranoia. Literally, I would be mowing the lawn, and I'd hear this loud, thunderish, you know, crackling in the skies, and I would fall on my knees. Lord, please forgive me of all my sins. I don't want to miss the rapture. In Jesus' name, please take me. And I'd look up, and it would basically be airplanes or a jet just flying over. But I was scared. And then there'd be other times where I'd come home after, you know, a long day or, or practice or something, and I walk inside the house and, Mom? Dad? Sarah? There was clothes on the floor. Jesus, please forgive me of all my sins. I'm sorry. Please don't leave me behind. This is my testimony. I was a paranoid Christian. I was fearful. I was dreading being left behind, and that is not God's plan for any Christian to live constantly afraid that you're going to miss the second coming of Christ or not go on the rapture. Just turn to your neighbor and say, loosen up, loosen up. That may not be your testimony, but I believe it is some people's story in this room that you have had to deal with fear and paranoia. And with movies that are coming out today and the, the remake of Left Behind with Nicolas Cage and uh, just different movies that, that talk about the rapture and being left behind, it can sort of stir up fear, and, and fear is not of God. We know that God's love casts out all fear. And so during this message about being ready, I think a big thing is just confronting fear and pushing it out of your life. When fear comes a-knocking, faith should answer the door and say, fear you're not welcome. Come on, just fear you're not welcome in my life. But at the same time, we've got to be aware. We've, we can't have our heads down in the sand. We've got to be awake and alert to the signs of the times that we're living in. We can't just ignore that things are happening. We are getting closer to something, uh, even though no one knows the day or the hour. And let's go to Matthew 25, verse 13. This is the end of that story I was telling you of the parable of the virgins. Jesus says this, watch therefore, for you do not know. So Jesus said this, in case anyone was wondering, did Paul say that or did Jesus? Jesus said it, you don't know the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. In fact, Jesus even said only God knows the day and the hour when the Son will return. And, and so when we hear predictions being made, and by the way, since 60 AD, over 240 predictions have been made by well-known, famous, good-intentioned preachers, believers who said, I know the day and the hour that Jesus will return. And that's just not scriptural. Jesus said no one knows it. It's important to understand the signs of the time. Yeah, you can give praise to God's word. Um, and if you get mad at me, send an email to the Bible because that's all I'm preaching today, all right? 
So just hold off on your offense. By the way, in the end times, Jesus said a lot of people are going to get offended over small issues, and Christians are actually going to try to devour each other because they major on the minors. So let's just major on the majors. Come on, church. Loosen up. Lighten up. Let's focus on the Word of God. Um, let me just start off by saying there have been a lot of predictions. When you hear predictions about a day or an hour, just go back to the Word of God and don't, don't be deceived. Don't say, oh, it's going to happen on this date. In fact, there was a book written called 1988 where someone had declared it's going to happen that year. Another person came out with a prediction saying it would happen 1994 on September 6th. And that day came around and it didn't happen. And the person got on the radio the next day and said, hold on, Jesus changed his mind. He's now coming on September 29th, literally. September 29th rolled around. He changed his mind again. It's going to happen October 2nd, 1995. Changed his mind again. It's going to happen March 31st. Literally, four different predictions. And I thought, you know, people thought, well, maybe he'll stop making predictions since it hasn't happened. It came out again in 2011. Another prediction saying, uh, this, one, this time it's for real. It's going to happen. And here's what I'll say to that. Just pay attention to God's word. He could come at any moment, any time. It could happen in church. It could happen at lunch today. Jesus could return tonight. He could come tomorrow. There's literally no, um, there's nothing that's we're waiting on to happen before the rapture happens. The rapture could happen at any moment. I'm going to get to that in a second because some of y'all might have different views on that. And there's room in this room for different views because it's not a salvation matter. But I want to talk to you about why I believe that the rapture could happen at any moment. And no one knows the day or the hour because it's we can see it in the word of God. But first, let's talk about the word prophecy. Prophecy comes from the word prophet. Prophets in the Old Testament were people who predicted and forecasted something to come in the future. When you hear this as a new believer or an unbeliever and you're kind of checking out church, you might think this sounds strange. This sounds weird. Prophecy. How am I supposed to uh, trust all this stuff? And I understand in fact, in the Old Testament, it sounded weird when people like Isaiah and Micah prophesied 700 years before Jesus came that a son of God was coming, a Messiah was coming, and that he would be bruised for our transgressions. He would uh, 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 take the punishment of our sin upon him. He would bring us peace and the government would be on his shoulders. There were prophecies hundreds of years before Jesus came the first time, and every single one of those prophecies came to pass which has turned a lot of skeptics into believers because they can connect the dots. These prophecies were written hundreds of years before Jesus came. He came and he fulfilled every single prophecy. Born of a virgin in Bethlehem, there was a star that led the wise men there. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. All of those prophecies were fulfilled. Here's something interesting. There are five times the amount of scriptures written about the second coming of Christ prophesying that than there were prophesying the first coming of Christ, which means there's a lot of prophecies that are going to be fulfilled and turning skeptics into believers. And so let's tune in into the word of God. John 14, verse one through three, Jesus said this. He was talking to his disciples, talking to the church uh, that he was building at that time. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. That's a good place to start. Don't be afraid. Don't panic. Don't, don't get all up in, in arms about this. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. Anybody remember the audio adrenaline song? Come and go with me to my father's house. Come on. 
He said, if that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will be back. Jesus was the first one to say it before Arnold. He said, I'll be back. I'm coming back and I'm going to take you with me that you also may be where I am. So this is where we get this prophecy that Jesus said, I'm coming back. And when I come back, I'm taking you with me. I, there's going to be a catching away. I am bringing you with me. And, and let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14, because this will kind of show us what to anticipate when he returns. And by the way, next week I'm going to talk about this more, but there is a difference between the second coming of Christ and the rapture. There's a difference. Two different events. And so um, 1 Thessalonians 4 the believers during that time that Paul who uh, Paul was writing to, Apostle Paul, I'm not talking in third person, Apostle Paul was talking to the church in Thessalonica, and he's, and he's writing to them. And by the way, this church, they were expectant that Jesus would return in their lifetime. They were for sure, Jesus is coming back while we're alive. In fact, they would greet each other with this word, like you and I greet each other with, hey, what's up, how you doing, what's going on in your life? You know, we got these greetings, hello. Um, their greeting was Maranatha, 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 John, Maranatha, Will, Maranatha. And the word Maranatha meant the Lord is returning soon. Our Lord is coming back soon. The Lord is coming back. Their greeting for each other was this expectancy, this anticipation like Maranatha, Jesus is coming back. How you doing, brother? <laughs> what if we lived with that sort of anticipation? It wasn't fear. It wasn't paranoia. It was excitement. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back soon. And so Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 14, If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. We're not talking about like sleeping. We're talking about people who have died and believed in Jesus. So they're asleep. Their bodies are asleep. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep, those who have died and believed in Jesus. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, doo -doo -doo -doo, and the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ are your brothers and sisters and parents and grandparents who believed in Jesus, who've gone on to heaven. My father, Lester Sumrall, Oral Roberts, and uh, other men and women who put their faith in Jesus Christ. They're going to rise. In, in, uh, they're going to rise up. There's going to be a resurrection. In fact, if you were to label this passage right here, I would label it resurrection, rapture, and reunion. The resurrection, the rapture, and the reunion. The resurrection is the dead in Christ rising up. In fact, you say, well, where are they right now? Well, their bodies are in the ground, but to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Their souls are in paradise with God. But when Christ comes in the clouds, their souls will meet their body. I know this sounds wild to some of you because you're not, you're not so like into the, the biblical prophecy, but I'm telling you, it's going to happen. It's in the Word of God. They're, they will be clothed with eternal bodies. And then he says this, then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. Now, those two words, caught up, 
are the same words of rapture. Rapture just means to be caught up. People say, well, rapture is a theory that was created in the 1830s when this woman prophesied something. It was written in a book. Rapture was written by Paul. The catching up of believers is just another way of saying it. It's, it's, they will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's important to see. The second coming of Christ has Jesus appearing on the Mount of Olives at Israel. The rapture is the Lord in the air, resurrecting the dead in Christ, and the believers who remain, who have stayed faithful, that we will meet Jesus in the air and we will always be with the Lord. Isn't that amazing that one day there will be no more cancer, no more divorce, no more uh, sin, no more chaos, no more sadness, no more depression, no more bondages, no more addiction. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. Just be ready. Just be ready. And he says this in verse 18. Comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. You know, sometimes we can get so comfortable where we live and cling to the things of this world that we're not anticipating a rapture or the second coming of Christ. We're so comfortable in our own life that we, 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 we'd rather live out our days and, and then die and go to heaven than see the coming of the Lord. When the believers, in fact, Jesus even said there is a reward for those who are anticipating the return of Christ. Second Timothy says that, that there is a reward, a crown of life for those who are living with expectancy. And I remember as a kid, as a teenager, there would be times where I'd be praying, you know, Lord, don't return before I get my driver's license. Lord, don't return before I get married. Lord, I, don't return before, you know. And it's okay to have desires in your heart here on this world, but you got to know this. There is nothing in this world that's greater than being with Jesus forever. There is nothing in this world that could satisfy you. I, I like America. I'm red, white, and blue all the way, but I'm thankful my destination is heaven. It's not America. I'm thankful that one day we will be with the Lord, and he will create a new heaven and a new earth. And sometimes we get so caught up in our little world and our lives that we're afraid that Jesus might come back and pull us out of our comfort zone here. And we've got we've to we've be in the world but not of the world. We can't just be sitting around with an escapism mentality, but we also can't be so clinging to this world that we, we're afraid to, to be caught up with Jesus. Because to be with the Lord is, is way better than to try and do things down here that, that really are temporary and trivial. And so I want to give you real quickly, there are four theories about the rapture. And there's room in this room if you have a different theory than me. Like I'm not forcing you to have my theory, but I'm going to tell you why my theory is a certain way. The first theory is pre-trib. People believe that there will be, a, uh, the Bible says there will be a great tribulation. Seven years of intense hell on earth. If you think there's tribulation happening right now, you ain't seen nothing yet. There is a day coming where it will get way worse. It will be crazy during that seven years. And there's a theory, pre-trib, that the rapture will happen before those seven years happen. The next theory is mid-trib. 
Mid-trib believes that in the middle of those seven years, three and a half years through, during halfway of the Great Tribulation, there will be a rapture. That, the, that before it gets terrible, because the second half of the seven-year tribulation is going to be the worst half, the worst part of it. That people believe the rapture will happen in the middle. Then the third theory is post-trib. People believe that after the seven-year tribulation, the second coming of Christ and the rapture are the same thing. That it's once the seven years of intense tribulation with the Antichrist and the mark of the beast and Armageddon and all that stuff is over. Then we're going to be raptured out of here. And that's when we'll get out of here. And we'll start a new heaven and a new earth and come back down with Jesus. The fourth group is pan-trib. These people don't really know what's going to happen, but it's all going to pan out in the end. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, put me in that group. <laughs> The main thing is this, don't get so prideful that you've got the inside scoop on what's going to happen. We can accidentally major on a minor here and say, well, I know what it is. Here's the thing, you are free to interpret the scriptures how you sense to interpret them. The main thing is you better put your faith in Jesus Christ and not yourself. You better not uh, be living with one foot in the world and one foot in the church because Jesus said, I'm not coming back for a lukewarm church. I believe in the pre-tribulation theory, and here's why. And like I said, if you believe in mid-trib or post-trib, that's fine. You just need to know that you're right with Jesus, that you put your faith in Jesus Christ. I believe Jesus said in Luke 21, verse 34 through 36, he says this, Take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. In other words, don't get so comfortable here. Don't get into the things of the world. He says, that day, don't let that day come on you while you're asleep unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you would be counted worthy to escape these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. There will be two different judgments, a judgment for believers and a judgment for non-believers. Our judgment in eternity is not a bad judgment compared to those who deny Christ. And I'll talk about that more next week. But let me say this. Escapism is not what I'm saying here. There is a, there is a word in the Bible called separation. God separated Noah and his family from the flood. He gave them an ark for them to be separated from the flood that would happen. God delivered Lot and his family from Sodom and Gomorrah. God delivered Rahab from the walls of Jericho when they came tumbling down. God has a separation. And I believe, I just have a belief uh, that God's going to rapture us before that seven-year tribulation. But even if he doesn't, I'm going to be ready no matter what. And I think that's the main point today is just be ready, church. And for those of you who say, well, it's not going to happen until the middle. It's not going to happen until the end. Well, just be ready. Just be ready. Have your life right with God. It can happen at any moment. Let's go real quick to Matthew 24, verse 1. And I want to give you the message version. Jesus, or let's go verse 3. The disciples asked Jesus, they said, when will all these things happen? A lot of people, they, they don't want to be ready until they have to be ready. <laughs> when is it going to happen? When do I need to get my life in order? When do I need to stop, you know, doing the stuff that I shouldn't be doing? When do I need to stop looking at the stuff I shouldn't be looking at? Saying the stuff I shouldn't be saying? When do I need to get my life in order before Jesus returns? And listen, that is no way to live your life. Don't procrastinate. While there's still breath in your lungs and you're in church, make a decision today to get right. And they said, when will the time run out? In verse 4, Jesus said this, watch out for doomsday deceivers. 
He said, many leaders are going to show up with forged identities claiming, I'm the Christ, I'm the Messiah, and they will deceive a lot of people. When reports come in of wars and rumored wars, keep your head. Church, this is no time to lose our heads. This is no time to panic, no time to get uh, uh, up in arms and afraid and, and uh, frantic and anxious. He says, this is routine history. This is no sign of the end. Nation will fight nation and ruler fight ruler over and over. Famines and earthquakes will occur in various places. Now, hold on. Jesus said that in 30 AD. Almost 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, there's going to be wars. There's going to be famines. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be all kinds of chaos happening. And that's no sign of the end. In fact, he says this. Next verse. This is nothing compared to what's coming. They are going to throw you to the wolves and kill you, everyone hating you because you carry the name of Jesus. We're seeing right now in our climate, in our own nation, there is a less and less tolerance for Bible-believing Christians. And there is going to be a separation for those who actually believe in Jesus and those who are just kind of on the bandwagon. And I pray that every single one of you will make the decision to say, I'm going to stand for Jesus. I'm all in. I'm all in. Till death do me part, and then I'll see him in the sky. Make a decision. This world is so temporary. Whatever, whatever it is that's keeping you from making that decision to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, it's not worth it. Hell is not worth it. And Jesus says this. He says, it'll get bad, and it'll get worse. It'll be a dog-eat-dog -dog world. Now, he is talking to the church He's saying Christians are going to get so angry at each other and so prideful and arrogant in their interpretation and their stance that they will literally kill each other thinking they're doing a service for God. He says, don't lose your head and don't lose your love walk. So don't get in this place of pride that I know I've got the inside scoop. I know it all. I don't know it all. I'm a student of the word. I'm here to learn and grow and keep my eyes on Jesus and love my brothers and sisters who might see differently than me. And so are you called to do that as well. Love each other. Don't let hatred and bitterness and strife and quarrels and division uh, cause you to hate other people. <laughs> Somebody really likes that over there. All right, here we go. <laughs> he says, in the confusion of all this chaos and anger and bitterness and division and strife, lying preachers will come forward and deceive a lot of people. Praise God, I'm going to keep preaching the word. I don't want to lie to you. I don't want to deceive you. So anything I say, measure it against God's word. Don't be deceived. Many others, the overwhelming spread of evil will do them in. Nothing left of their love but a mound of ashes. Staying with it. This is Christ's command. Stick with it. Persevere. Persist. Let your faith be strong. When days get tough... Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel. Don't say, I'm done with Christianity. I can't handle it. I'm scared. I'm afraid. Don't do it. He says, stick with it till the end. You won't be sorry. Your life and your soul will be saved. So let me tell you today, three things we can take away from this message because there's a lot of information. And the last thing I want to do is confuse you. I want to give you some takeaways about what to do with all of this. Number one, where, how do we live ready for God? How do we just be ready for when he returns, when the rapture will happen? Number one, get right with God. Quit, quit waiting on the perfect conditions to get right with God. Today's the day. Get right with God. Quit living lukewarm Christianity, one foot in the church, one foot in the world, following Jesus on Sunday, 
doing what you want to do Monday through Saturday night. Get out of the clubs. Get right with God. Get out of those junk things that you've been doing, that stuff that you've been messing around with on the side. This is a time right now to get right with God. Well, how do we get right with God? Well, first of all, you can't work your way towards heaven. No amount of good works and good deeds can make you right with God. You've got to put your faith in Jesus Christ. We sang a song this morning called Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. What can make me white as snow? What can wash me? What can save me? It's the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus. Did you know that DNA uh, scientists have discovered that blood that's been spilled in the ground hundreds of years ago can be traced back? We can find out who it was. That blood still speaks hundreds of years later, and the blood of Jesus still speaks today. His blood has been poured out, and it speaks for you and for me forgiveness. It speaks healing. It speaks salvation. You can put your faith in Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he says, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. The grace that, 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 that comes into our life when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that salvation, it's an empowerment. To not live according to our flesh, but according to the Spirit of God. You know, my Bible tells me that the Holy Spirit produces self-control in my life. So it's not just live however I want to live, do whatever I want to do. I can't control myself. No, it's I want to yield to the Holy Spirit. I want to live in love towards my brothers and sisters. How do we get right with God? We stop hating one another. We stop holding bitterness against brothers, sisters, parents, kids. We've got to forgive each other. Don't let Jesus come back while you're holding unforgiveness towards another brother and sister. Don't let Jesus come back while you're cheating and, and lying and living however you want to live, just carousing and clinging to the things of this world. Get right with God. Band, I want you to come up as I get ready to close. Number two, watch and pray. What can we do? Get right with God. Number two, watch and pray. Jesus said these two words over and over and over and over. Watch and pray. Luke verse 12, or Luke chapter 12, verse 35. He said this. He said, let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. In other words, stay ready. He said, you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, the door would be opened immediately. He said, blessed are the servants whom the master, when he comes, finds them watching. Blessed are the watchers. Watching doesn't mean just spectating, sitting back and saying, one of these days he's going to come in the clouds and hopefully it doesn't happen before I get married and, you know, whatever. You don't want to sit like that. Watching means actively participating in what God is doing in the earth. Actively involved. And then he couples the word watch with prayer. He says, don't just watch and, and be afraid. And In other words, when you're seeing current events on the news... It's okay to see those current events. It's, it's good sometimes to be up to date with ha what's happening. But don't watch in fear. Watch in faith. How do we watch in faith? We pray. Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7, he says, instead of worrying and getting anxious and stressed out, pray. And when you pray, the peace that passes all understanding guards your heart. Paul said in Ephesians 6, 18, pray in the spirit. You say, well, that sounds crazy. What are you saying? I'm praying in an unknown tongue that I received as a gift from the Holy Spirit that's available to every believer. And today, if you want that gift, you can receive it. You say, well, I don't know if I want that. What's well, available to you? 
When Jesus left the earth, he said, I'm leaving you with a helper. His name is the Holy Spirit. And when you pray, the Holy Spirit will give you a language, a heavenly language, a language that's been restored since the beginning of time that connects you to heaven. And when you pray, you don't know what to pray and you're scared and you see stuff happening in the news and people being shot and you're not sure how to handle it when you send your kids to school. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Pray in a known language and pray in an unknown language. Watch and pray that you don't be deceived. How do we guard against deception? By watching the Word of God, watching our lifestyle, watching our behavior, watching our thoughts, praying, Lord, help me to stay true to the Word of God. Lord, help me not to deviate and be deceived by, you know, the common source, the most common source of deception is self-deception. It's not even like outsiders. It's being self-deceived, thinking, I know what's right. I know what's best. Go back to the Word of God. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but acknowledge God in all your ways. He will direct your paths. Watch and pray. Pray for revival in our nation. Pray for the leaders in our nation. Pray for Netanyahu in Israel. Pray for Israel. Did you know today is the national day of prayer for Israel? And the Bible says those who bless Israel will be blessed and those who curse Israel will be cursed. And so right now, I want to pray for Israel because as we pray for Israel, and for those of you who are young and you don't understand this because you haven't really studied it, I understand because I'm young too. But I happen to just grow up hearing all about Israel as a kid and understanding that Israel was God's chosen people of a covenant that he established through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that plan hasn't changed. And that one day a remnant of Israel is going to be saved and God's plan is to redeem Israel and that God's going to draw Israel. In fact, did you know this? This is wild. Can I tell you this before we pray for Israel? I know I'm in a teaching mode right now, but... We just experienced the fourth set of blood moons that happened during fast uh, uh, Jewish feasts between Passover and, and the Feast of Tabernacles. The first, uh, first one in the last 500 years happened in 1492. 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Let me just put this together because y'all are like, he's getting wild on me. All right, here we go. 1492, Columbus was actually a practitioner of Judaism. He was in contact with rabbis who were being driven out by the Spanish Inquisition in 1492. Majority of Jews that were alive during that time were in Spain. Well, Spain didn't want them in there. They said, get out of our country. They were killing thousands of Jews. Columbus was searching for a safe haven for Jews, which explains why today the largest Jewish population is in America. It's not in Israel. There's 6.6 million Jews in America and 6.1 million Jews in Israel. This has been a safe haven for those Jews. God has always done something unique in the last 500 years around these blood moons. The, the second one that happened was 1948 when Israel became a nation. Uh, there was blood moons that happened during that time. And then 1967, the Six-Day War when Israel looked like it was all over. Jordan had uh, came in and attacked him and oppressed him up against the wall. But on the third day, Israel came back and the spirit of Gideon came on them and they were outnumbered 40 to 1. But they came back and drove Jordan out and that six-day war concluded with Israel occupying Jerusalem for the first time in almost 2,000 years. And then the fourth blood moon just happened. In fact, it was a week and a half ago. How many of you guys watched the, the blood moon? It's, scientists are studying this. Non-Christians are going, something's happening here. Something is, I don't know what's happening, but there is a connection going on. And we know as a church, he's coming soon. 
He's coming soon. Watch and pray. We pray for Israel right now. We speak blessing and peace over Jerusalem. God, we thank you for wisdom. Thank you for the boldness of Prime Minister Netanyahu. God, we thank you, Jesus, that he's led by you. We speak wisdom. We speak peace, protection, God, over Israel. Lord, we thank you. You love every nation. But God, you do have a special covenant between Israel and you. And God, we thank you, Jesus, just for your uh, salvation coming to the Jews. And God, thank you, Jesus, for your protection and your peace and your blessing. And God, help us as a nation, Lord, to not curse Israel, but to bless Israel. I pray, God, that you would turn the hearts of leaders in this nation who have been uh, unfavorable towards Israel. And God, remove them if you have to. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you would keep us as a church in a place of peace, keep us in a place of love, keep us in a place of blessing uh, Israel and, and praying for our leaders, God, in Jesus' name, amen. The third thing that we do with all of this, number one, get right with God, number two, watch and pray, and here's the last one, hang with me, stand fast. I'm gonna dismiss in like five minutes, but listen to this, stand fast. The word stand fast says be firm, fixed, and settled in your position. Be firm, fixed, and settled in your position. Jesus said this over and over and over. Stand fast. Endure. Don't be swayed. Don't fall out. The time will come, and is already here, where it is unpopular to stand up for Jesus in our own nation. And you have a choice to make. You can stand for Jesus or you can cling to the things of this world. As for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. On October 1st, 2015, on the soil of our own nation, a man walked into a community college with a gun. And he said, everybody on the floor, if you're a Christian, stand up. If you're a Christian, stand up. If you're a Christian, stand up. And in that moment, a few people stood. One of them was Serena Moore, just three days ago, a mom of two sons. She had a, a, a moment to think about it. Will I stay down or will I stand up? Will I stay down and cling to the things of this world or will I stand up? She stood up, she said, I'm a Christian. He said, go meet your God. Another man stood up, Dale, Jason Dale Johnson. He said, are you a Christian? He said, yes, I am a Christian. He said, go meet your God. There is a time coming where you will either bow to the things of this world or you will stand for Jesus. Daniel chapter three was just a prophecy of what would come one day when King Nebuchadnezzar set up a golden statue and said, everybody better bow to my statue. There will be a day where there will be a leader in our nation or in, a, in the world, a one world order, who will say, you have to bow to me or else you're executed. And in that moment, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, I refuse to bow to the political pressures of the day. I refuse to bow to the fear of today. I refuse to bow to the condemnation. I refuse to bow to the antichrist spirit. I refuse to bow to atheism. I refuse to bow to anything that's not a Jesus. I will stand with arms high and heart abandoned. My faith is in Jesus. And we serve a God who's able to deliver us from the furnace. But even if he doesn't, I refuse to bow. I 
refuse to stay down. I am a Christian. I am a Bible-believing Christian. Jesus. Church, on Monday morning, tomorrow, you'll have a choice. And stay standing. I'm, I'm, we're going to go right into prayer right now. But you'll have a choice on Monday morning to wake up and not care about this message. Tuesday, to not really care. Or you can live with an expectancy. Maranatha, the Lord is returning soon. Live with a joy. Fear is going to come knocking on Monday. News reports will continue to happen. Jesus said this is routine history. You'll hear about wars and rumors of wars, famines and earthquakes. Fear will come knocking on Wednesday. You'll have to choose to stand in faith and not bow down to fear. Guilt will come knocking on Thursday when you've received Christ and made Him Lord of your life. You're going to have to stand in grace, in righteousness, and shut the door on that condemnation, on that guilt, on that shame of the past. You are new in Christ Jesus. The old is past. For this day forward, I, I, I challenge you to stand, to watch and pray, to be right with God.